What difference does the resurrection of Jesus make in your life? Is it just another holiday? Just another occasion for us to get together with our families and eat and play? Just another excuse to buy some new clothes? Maybe go to church because it's Easter. Matthew chapter 28, I invite you to turn there, makes it clear that the Sunday following Jesus' crucifixion was unlike any other. And it happened on the first day of the week. Matthew 28, 1. Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. Earthquake. An angel of the Lord rolled back the stone. His countenance was like lightning. His clothing as white as snow. Imagine the scene that first Easter morning. And the guards shook for fear and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. Just as he said, Come, see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he's risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. Here you will see him. Behold, I have told you. What difference does the resurrection of Jesus make in your life. Imagine those first followers of Jesus, those predecessors of ours. Mary Magdalene, the prostitute, that's what she was. She was a woman of the street. She had slept with many men. She was possessed with demons. Jesus cast out those demons and healed her soul and gave her life. She was there at the cross watching the blood pour out of her Savior. She helped take him down from the cross and wrap him in those linen cloths and anoint his body with those fragrant spices. She watched them as they laid him in the tomb. How do you think she felt that day? What difference did it make that Jesus arose on Sunday morning to her? What if he would have stayed dead? What would that have meant to her? Think about Peter. That bold disciple. The one who was always stepping forward. Always 
opening his mouth and putting in his foot. But he was also bold in his faith. He's also the one that stuck that foot over the side of the boat and walked on the water, wasn't he? He was the one who made the bold declaration to Jesus, I will never deny you. I will go to the death for you. And then just a few hours later, at the beck of a little girl, he denied knowing Jesus and even cursed him to her three times. And then Jesus was crucified. Peter ran off and wept bitterly. What if Jesus would have stayed dead? How would that have impacted Peter's life? What do you think the resurrection meant for Peter? Then there's Thomas. We know him as Doubting Thomas. Doubting Thomas is like many of us, full of questions. The skeptic. And even if you're not skeptical, you're still a lot like Thomas because you're full of fear and doubt. Because what you believed in and, and hoped for and trusted in and followed for three years is now dead and buried. And now you get news that he's resurrected, that some women have seen him alive. And in that day and age, the testimony of women did not count. Did you know that? So could Thomas really believe? Doubting Thomas. Thomas said, if I don't see with my eyes and be able to touch the prints of the nails in his hands or the spear in his side, then I will not believe. What do you think the resurrection, how it impacted his life? What if Jesus would have stayed in the grave? Luke and Paul and their writings in the scripture give some bold perspective on the post-resurrection appearances of Christ, that he presented himself alive, the Bible says in the book of Acts, Luke records, presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them for 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And Paul adds that he was seen by over 500 brethren at once. All these believers, all these followers of Jesus who who knew he was crucified, 500 plus the 12 plus many others. There were perhaps several thousand followers of Christ. Now he's in the tomb. What, do you, what difference do you think it made in their life that Jesus was resurrected? Or what if he would have stayed in the tomb? So the question is, for us, we know from Scripture that it made a difference in their life. Right? Peter, take him for example, was restored by Christ. Three times he asked Peter, do you love me? Three times Peter said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. The same amount of times that Peter denied Jesus, Jesus affirmed and called Peter's love on Peter's love. Peter went on to be filled with the Holy Spirit and preach the first sermon after Pentecost and or at Pentecost and 3,000 believers were added to those original several thousand. Then he preached again shortly thereafter and 5,000 more were saved. Do you think the resurrection of Jesus Christ made a difference in Peter's life? 
Do you think it changed him? Do you think it radically re-altered the direction that his life was going? So what difference has the resurrection of Jesus Christ made in your life? You say, well, I can think of a lot of things, and I'm going to just right off the bat go to 1 Corinthians 15 and, and show you some things that um, we know spiritually speaking <clears throat> because the, Paul writes about the resurrection. In fact, 1 Corinthians 15 is all about the resurrection. In fact, he begins this chapter in verse 3 and 4. He says, I delivered to you first of all that which I received. Now, Paul's life was changed by the resurrected Jesus Christ. Paul was Saul. Pa Saul was the Christian persecutor. Saul was the one on the road to Damascus. He had papers in his hand to arrest Christians. He had done so. He is the one that held the coats of the men who stoned Stephen, the first martyr for the faith. Paul gave his assent to them. Paul was actively involved in, in persecuting and imprisoning and killing Christians. And now, now he's changed by the Jesus Christ stepping into his life on the road to Damascus. Changed him forever. Changed the course of his life. Changed what he did. And this is what Paul said, I'm delivering to you that which I received. Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, that He was buried and that He rose again on the third day, according to the Scriptures. Verse 12, Now if Christ has preached that He has not been raised from the dead, or if Christ has preached that He has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty. And your faith is what? Empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that He raised up Christ, whom He did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. So Paul says... Here's the difference it makes. If Christ is still dead, then our preaching is empty. Our faith is in vain. You see, faith without a real object is empty. And if Christ were still in the grave, then we have no real object of our faith. And that's what sets our faith and our religion apart from every other. Every other faith in the world can go to the tomb of their founder, and there he is. But when we go to the tomb of our founder, he is not there. He is risen. Our faith has an object. If Jesus were not risen, then we're false witnesses. We've said He's risen. But if He's not, then we're liars. And then He says in verse 17, this is powerful. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Yes, Jesus died on the cross and shed His blood for our sins, but had He not risen, we would still be unforgiven. That's what the scripture says. We needed his death. We needed his burial. And praise God, we needed his resurrection to be saved. It is not one piece of the gospel. That is the full gospel. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, here's where the water hits the wheel. I would imagine that 100% of us, the reason you're here today, is because you give and you 
agree with that. Am I right? You agree with that. Let me tell you a story that I read this week and actually last week in Decision Magazine, the magazine by the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Told of a man by the name of Abdu Murray. He, was, um, he is, by the way, the North American director for Ravi Zacharias International Ministries. Some of you listen to Ravi Zacharias. He's also a lawyer and a former Shiite Muslim. He says, I thought Islam was true and that people should believe true things and not false things. So I would engage in discussions with anybody who would listen. Now listen, here's a Muslim man. He believes with all of his heart that Islam is true. Just like you believe that Christianity is true. Who's right? How do you know that what you believe is the truth? Can you prove it? Let me tell you the rest of this story. Murray studied enough Christian doctrines such as the Trinity and the death and the burial and resurrection of Jesus just enough to be able to debate Christians. But along the way, a few Christians began to challenge his thinking as well, prompting him to go to the Scriptures, the Bible. Stop and ask yourself if, if you had a friend like Murray. Do you know enough about your faith that you could challenge his thinking? That you could give enough evidence? Did you know the resurrection of Jesus Christ has more historical evidence of being true than any other documented fact in history? Did you know that? You didn't know that, did you? We accept certain things that happened years ago about Marco Polo and, and Genghis Khan and Abraham Lincoln. We study those things in history, and we accept them as true, as facts, but there's the, the factual evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ has volumes more than any of those historical facts I just mentioned, and yet people cast it aside as untrue. Why? And if you had the opportunity to meet a Murray, would you have enough in your pocket to be able to defend what you believe is true? You said, yes, we agree with that. Why do you believe that? Why? How can you communicate that? What difference is it making in your life that you believe that? Practically speaking, spiritually speaking, you know it. what difference it makes. It means I've been forgiven of my sin. It means that, that death cannot hold me. I'm going to be resurrected again. It means that I'm going to live forever with Jesus in heaven. It means that, that all these wonderful spiritual things, but practically today, tomorrow, and the rest of your life here on earth, what does it mean that you believe these things? What difference is it making in your marriage that you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ? For nine years, Murray wrestled with this. And he put his beliefs 
and his Muslim doctrines to the test. After nine years, he came to believe that the resurrection accounts were true. But it took much longer for him to surrender his life to Christ. Here's what he said. I don't want to believe the evidence. I didn't want to believe the evidence for the resurrection. Because if I did, it would change who I was. Everything about me would change. And I wanted no part of that. I wasn't ready for that. So get this. So I had intellectually assented to these truths, but I did not embrace them for myself. I believe, my dear friends, that's where a large majority of churchgoers are. I agree that Jesus rose from the dead. But it's not making much practical difference in the way I live my life. Reese was telling me this morning, as we prayed together before coming in here, he said he thought about something that was kind of sad in the Easter story. Those prison guards, we read about them in Matthew 28. So this was a perfect illustration of what God put on my heart. And you know, I kind of had a dream, Reese, and I knew that God had a word from somebody else today, and it was you. Kind of weird when that happens. But the guards were the only eyewitnesses of the resurrection. Am I right? Right? I mean, present at the moment. They, others saw eyewitness accounts of Jesus after he was resurrected. But these two men were the only ones present when that stone rolled away. And Jesus came walking out. They knew it was true, right? And as Reese pointed out, they ran back to the priest and they even testified to the truth of Jesus' resurrection. They said, he's been risen from the dead. And what did the priest do? They paid him off to keep quiet and to tell a lie that his body had been stolen. And so they, they took the money. They were the eyewitnesses. They had given mental assent. They agreed. They knew. They saw it happen. But yet now... But when it came down to it, they were not willing to commit their lives to it. They were selling out for the things of this world. And my friends, I believe that's where many churchgoers are today. They give mental assent to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We gather as families. We eat meals. We play together. We, we go buy new clothes. We come to church because it's Easter. We give our mental assent. But day by day and week by week, it's not making that big of a deal in our lives, is it? Let me ask you this, folks. If Jesus were to walk into your marriage as he walked into Thomas's presence that day and he heard Thomas say, I'm not going to believe unless I see, and bam, Jesus is there. Did that make a difference in Thomas's life? What if Jesus were to, the resurrected Jesus were to step into your marriage? You say, how would he do that? 
When's the last time you read the Bible with your spouse? When's the last time you prayed with your spouse? And yet we believe, we say, wait, well, wait a minute. Yeah, I do occasionally, but when's the last time? What difference is he making in your marriage? How can, Jesus, how can you invite Jesus into marriage? How about getting on your knees together and worshiping together? How about singing together? How about reading the scriptures together? You think that would make a difference in your marriage? Do you think not doing that would also make a difference? Which difference is it making in your marriage? What if you're in the middle of a heated argument with your spouse? Bam, Jesus walks in. I swear Thomas was. I ain't going to believe it. Let's just say, bam, there he was. What about with your children? What difference is it making in the way you raise your children? When's the last time you read the scriptures with your kids? Prayed with your kids? Some of you may make a routine, a daily habit of that. But by and large, most people don't. How do you invite Jesus into your family? Are you reading the word with them? Are you praying with them? Are you encouraging them? Again, in the middle of a fight with your kids. Nobody has those but the preacher's family. I understand that. <laughs> but you're in the middle of a fight and Jesus walks in. How do you introduce Jesus in the middle of a fight? You say, that's ridiculous. You don't. Well, that's your problem. You know, I'll give you a for instance. Andrew was a little one, and he, would, he, was, he wouldn't hush one night. We spoiled that guy rotten. And he just liked to be with people. He still likes to be with people. He didn't want to be separated from us. We put him in his crib, and we'd go to bed, and he'd throw that leg over. <laughs> a big old long leg come flying over the crib, and... And I'd go in there and swat that leg. That didn't help. And it just got hotter and hotter. It got escalated. My temper was, was getting hotter and hotter. And Tana was in tears. And uh, she was scared I was going to hurt him. <laughs> she said, Lee, let's pray. I said, you can if you want to. I just don't feel like it right now. <laughs> Anybody ever been there? I didn't pray. She prayed. The boy laid down and went straight to sleep. And I had an anvil on my chest. Because I was supposed to be the spiritual leader. And invite Jesus into my life and my family. The resurrected Lord Jesus. And I certainly wasn't acting like him that day. What about your money problems? Anybody got any of those? What kind of power did it take to raise a dead man? There was no doubt Jesus was dead. I mean, they beat the guy 
half to death before they nailed him to the cross where he hung for six hours bleeding out. No doubt he was dead. They stuck a spear in his side. They had to break the legs of the two thieves to make them go ahead and suffocate and die, but they stuck a spear in Jesus' side. He didn't flinch. He was already dead. He was dead. Graveyard dead. How do you raise a dead man back to life? What kind of power does it take to raise a dead man back to life? The same power that it takes to meet your needs. Because the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in us. And there's not a need that you have that His power cannot meet. But yet we're like Thomas, we doubt. How can God meet this great need? It's too big! I have too much need! And bam, Jesus steps in. What if He steps in? What if you exercised your faith? believed in the resurrected power of Jesus Christ that even if he doesn't give you everything you think you need that he's going to see you through to tomorrow and then the next day and then the next day until he calls you home he's promised that what about your sickness or the health of your loved ones or the death of a loved one What difference does it make that Jesus rose from the dead when you're facing a terminal disease? I don't have one of those. I don't want one, to be honest with you. I don't want any of my loved ones to have one. But many of you, my church family, have, are and have and have experienced those things. And I've watched you. And I've seen the difference that the resurrected power of Jesus makes in your life. The hope that it gives you. The strength to carry on. To keep loving Jesus and loving others when you still face an uncertain outcome. To smile. But I've also seen others on the other side who don't have that hope. They get bitter. They shake an angry fist in the face of God. And they question the existence of a loving God. And they become practical atheists. Because of what God did to them. What about, what difference does Christ make in your sin? And we've all, we're all sinners, aren't we? Just because I stand behind a wooden thing called a pulpit doesn't mean I'm not a sinner and that I haven't sinned. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us have missed the mark. All of us have willfully rebelled against God and sometimes still do. What difference does it make? What difference does the resurrection of Jesus Christ make in relation to my sin? The power that raised Jesus from the dead, Paul said, is the same power that gives us a brand new life in Romans chapter 6. 
He tells us that, that our old man was crucified, our old sinful nature was crucified with Christ and was buried with Christ so that we could be raised to walk in newness of life. You see, the difference that the resurrection of Jesus Christ makes in relation to my sin is that I no longer have to live in that. I no longer have to walk in sin. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me to overcome sin and temptation. That's what many don't believe. They don't believe they have the power to not sin when they're tempted. When the scripture tells us that no temptation that is, comes upon you is irresistible. He says God will give you grace. He will give you strength. He will give you a way of escape so that you may be able to endure it. There's not a temptation you've ever faced as a believer that you could not resist and that you cannot resist. So you're alone with a member of the opposite sex that you're not married to. And you've gotten connected somehow emotionally or, or attracted somehow physically and you both seem to sense that and know that and, and things progress Step by step until you're at the moment of great temptation. You've struck a match. You've lit a fire that you know is going to be very difficult to extinguish. Enter Jesus. What difference does he make in that moment? Some of you are there right now. You need to let Jesus put the fire out. Some of you may be living in immorality, doing things you know. Not only your parents, but your heavenly Father does not approve of. What difference does the resurrected Jesus Christ make in that situation? What about your internet use? What difference does the resurrection of Jesus Christ make in how you're using that tool called the internet? For some, it's a tool. For others, it's a chain that imprisons them. And some of you here today, some of you men, maybe some of you women, are imprisoned to the Internet, pornography. And you say, I can't get out of it. I'm trapped. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. You got chains? What's the song say? He's the chain breaker. You got pains? He's what? The pain taker. Are you lost? He's the way maker. What difference does the power what difference does the resurrection of Jesus Christ make in your life now, day by day? Because look, you're fooling yourself if you just show up on Easter and that's it. Or if you just show up on Sundays and that's it. Say, I go to church every Sunday. Yeah, but what's, what's going on Monday through Saturday? What difference is, is, why do we worship on Sunday? You know why we worship on Sunday? Because it's the first day of the week. It's the day Jesus was resurrected. 
It's the resurrection that draws us together every Sunday. But, but if it's just because we're coming, because it's Sunday, and just because we're giving our mental assent and our agreement to it, but it's not changing our lives. You see, this man, Murray, he, wasn't, he knew it. He mentally committed to it, but he wasn't ready to give his whole life and surrender because he knew it would change him. And that's where some of you are. You want to give agreement to it because it's the social thing to do, at least in the South. But you don't really want to commit your whole life to the resurrection because it might mean something would have to change. It would radically change your life. And that's exactly what has to happen for every one of us. You see, this passage really... Henry Blackaby brought it out in our experience in God's study on Sunday nights, and it really, I can't get away from it. He says in Luke 6, 47, 46 and 47, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things which I say? Why do you show up on church on Sunday, but you don't live for me Monday through Saturday? That's what he's saying. Let's just put it in everyday language. Why do you lift your hands in worship, but you don't exercise your feet to walk in the way I have you to walk Monday through Saturday? And then he said, whoever comes to me and hears my sayings. Okay, I got that part down. I can handle that. I'm here. I've come. I've been saved. And I hear your sayings. Lord, I read the Bible. I come to church. I hear the Sunday school lesson. And I hear the preacher. But he wasn't finished. And does them. I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep. You think it took a little bit of effort to dig deep? You ever built a house? Spend a lot of time on that foundation, don't you? Dug deep. He laid the foundation on the rock. When the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against the house, and it could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who came to me and heard, but did nothing, but did nothing, is a man like a man who built his house on the earth without a foundation, against which the stream beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. You see, some of you are like the guards. I agree with the resurrection. I've heard of that before. That's why I'm here today, to celebrate it. That's about all you can ask of me, Lord. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to use that word because you're not really my Lord. Because if you were, then I would obey you. I would do what I've heard. And if you really rose from the dead, it would radically change my life and not really sure I'm ready for that yet, Lord. So I'll just keep agreeing 
with what I've heard. Isn't that enough? Isn't that enough? I want you to listen to this poem. Then I'm going to give the invitation. <laughs> 